You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello there, I'm Tony Gow, and you're listening to We Are West Ham. You are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. And after two defeats from two games after lockdown, West Ham United's fortunes look like they are always hiding. Not good stuff from the boys. Defeat at Wolves. Defeat tonight against Tottenham. We're recording the podcast straight after the Tottenham game to make sure it's out to all of you listeners on Wednesday morning. And if you're not listening this week, then we wouldn't blame you because we're not feeling too good about it either. Gents, I'll throw to you two first of all. James, immediate thoughts on the game before we go on to what we've got coming up on the rest of the episode. Um, I mean, I can give you the, the I'm going to give you a clean version. No, it's family, family it's podcast. Family friendly podcast. It's, it, I'm, I'm frustrated that, uh, I mean, it's, it's, I'll start with the fact that it was a better performance in the Wolves game. We'll get into the Wolves game in a bit, but I just feel like we, we're crying out for a manager that actually plays to the strengths that he has in the squad that, it, that he puts out. I just felt like tonight he played, he played the way that we should have played with Haller up front. And instead, you got poor, poor old Antonio trying to win headers, you know, all, all afternoon. The only positive in that game was Jared Bowen, who is the only player that we've got in the squad that actually likes to run up defenders. Um, and we just we, we soaked, we soaked up, well, we tried soaking up pressure and catching on the break without any threat up front. Um, so yeah, that's the clean version. Um, Tom, I don't know whether you can you can elaborate, but yeah, I'm no. I'm, beat, I'm beaten after t- the last two games. I tell you what. Tom, before we before we get your adult version or X-rated version, as we mm. often get from you, we'll do a little run through of what we've got coming up on the episode because we don't want to start with too much negativity, even though that's what at least sixty percent <laughs> of tonight's <laughs> podcast is going to be. But tonight, as always, on the We Are West End podcast, we try and get guests in where we can. So tonight we're joined by Alex Milne, who's a sports journalist from the Daily Mirror and also happens to be a Tottenham fan. Watched the game tonight with about as much enthusiasm as we did until Tottenham got their two goals. Talk about Jeremy and Gakia. Looks like his time is up at the club. We will talk about Wolves as well. We'll talk about VAR tonight. They did us a favour, first of all, with Sun's disallowed goal. And then it also looked like it evened itself out by not disallowing Sanchez's or the, the Thomas Suchek own goal, which seemed to come off Sanchez's arm. We'll talk about Declan Rice being miles better than the rest of the players who he's playing with, despite being one of the youngest in the team. Talk about the Wolves game, as I said, and Gekia. But for a little bit of respite and for a little bit of something to put a smile on your face, we will do the Rogue Mystery Players quiz right at the end of the show. You can get in touch with us, as always, on the We Are West Ham email account. You can follow us on Twitter, we are underscore West Ham, or you can email us at wearewesthampod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram. Tom's in charge of that now, and it's absolutely flying. We're also on TikTok somewhere. And uh, yeah, so you can get in touch with us all over the place. But we've heard from James. Tom, 
give us a quick rundown before we go into it in too much detail in a little bit of just mm. immediate thoughts on the game, which only finished about 25 minutes ago. It, for me, it's just, we just, we just look, obviously talking about today, but culmination of both, we just look miles off it. We just don't look like a team who knows the situation predicament we're in. We have very little going forward and it's all well and good, like Jonesy said, setting up with 11 men behind the ball in the 20th minute. You've got to have something which is going to hurt the teams going the other way on the counter or whatever it is. And we seemingly have zero. We have nothing. What was it? It took us about 140 minutes to get our first shot on target after the restart. We just look, we just look bereft of ideas going forward and we look like we're waiting for something to happen in the games to make a decision from the management. It looks like Moyes is waiting for the game to change before he actually goes out and be proactive and looking to get three points. We're waiting not to lose the game rather than going out to win the game. And I mean, it's just a recipe for disaster. And yeah, like everyone, just, just a bit worried about what's, what's to come now because we've effectively set up four games on the spin with our Premier League survival and potentially club's financial survival on the line when there was no need to do it. When Tottenham were a team there to be, had a go at today, they weren't at their best for at least 70, 80 minutes. And we sort of rolled over for him. So just disappointment, really, mate, more than anything. Absolutely. And I, I, I agree totally. And I think we, we always make an effort on this podcast. It's what we pride ourselves on to, to try and smile in the face of adversity. And, you know, we're all aware that we support a club and we're not expecting to, to walk the league or, or you know, re- in reality, we're not even expecting to get Europe, despite what we were promised when we moved to this brand spanking new stadium. But before we go into that on the West Ham side of things, we are joined, as I said, by a sports journalist from the Daily Mirror, Alex Milne. Milne, you support Tottenham and you weren't exactly enthralled by the game tonight. Your, your team obviously got the win, but before you go on to West Ham, what were your immediate thoughts on the game? I think like all of these games at the moment, post-lockdown, it is quite difficult to G yourself up for it, isn't it? Kind of watching first half and just thought, oh, the pace is so pedestrian. You can see all the players are looking kind of not fully fit. It's obviously, I can, I can kind of feel really sorry for them because to get themselves going without a crowd must be quite difficult. Um, from a Tottenham perspective, I didn't think we played particularly well, but unfortunately, obviously for you boys, you're in pretty pretty dire situation. And I think we, we beat you without having to try very hard because you just had nothing to throw at us. And I think what struck me tonight, I've not watched as much West Ham as you boys, but was just that there was no urgency. Like, like you said, we... When we went 1-0 up, which I, I didn't think we deserved, you can debate whether the goal should have stood or whatever. I thought maybe we're on for a bit of an onslaught here. You might try and throw some bodies forward, get some more play, attacking players on. And there was just nothing. And I know you hit the post at one stage, but I never really worried that the game was in any doubt when we went 1-0 up. And I think from your perspective, that's that's got to be a worry for you guys, obviously. Jonesy, you've heard what Alex has got to say there about from a Tottenham perspective. And... You know, it's, it, we, we all like getting up for the Tottenham games and as fans, certainly, getting up for the Tottenham games and we look forward to them. And Antonio, you know, got the got the winner there last season and it was the first team, away team, to win at Tottenham's new stadium, which was great. But this season, we've got the added threat of almost certain relegation. And like I said, we do try and stay positive on this podcast where we can. However... Uh, you, you, it's a balance at the moment between trying to maintain some football integrity because from where I'm standing and I've watched Aston Villa and I've watched Watford and I've watched Brighton, I've covered a few of their games since football's come back and all three of those teams, I think they're just as, they've got just as much quality as us, which might not be much, but they've certainly got fight. They're invigorated and they're up for the, the battle. We just look woeful do we not yeah we do I mean as I said before we, we looked a lot worse against Wolves and that was the worrying bit uh, and there were stages tonight where you know we, although the overall the performance wasn't great there were there were stages tonight where I thought hang on if we play like this against a lesser team we've got half a chance but the problem is, is that we did those in sort of like one or two minute bursts and then just went back into our full, into our shell again and it, that is that is a mixture of a load of things, really. One, probably a lack of fight and belief in yourself. Uh, I don't buy into the fact that it's difficult for players to play in empty stadiums. I think, you know, um, these players uh, are experienced enough and earn enough money to be able to go out there and actually want to win a football match, regardless of whether there's fans there or not. Yeah, okay, you know, they might be used to, used to the atmosphere, 
but you still got to want to have a bit of hunger in your belly to go out there and win a football match, um, regardless of whether there's fans. Um, so yeah, it's it's a, it's a difficult situation that we're in. Um, the only heart I take in in it is that you know if lockdown hadn't happened and COVID hadn't have happened and you know which it has, <laughs> which it has, but we would have yeah. gone into those two these two games, Wolves at home, Spurs away, on the back of terrible form but a bit of an increased bit of form but terrible results um would we were expected to get much out of those out of those two games anyway probably not but now we've seen those two performances and it's disheartening um and we've got Chelsea next which you know uh doesn't doesn't make it any easier um it's just frustrating that there just seems to be nothing there in any of them barring one or two Totally, totally, and and you can't you can't get anything out of of two players showing a bit of heart out of eleven. Before we move on to the semantics and the dynamics of the West Ham squad and their general lack of fight and quality, as it seems week in week out. While we've got Alex here now, we'll talk about the VAR decision. The first one, again, it's kind of gone under the radar a bit. VAR since football's been back, the talk has mainly been about the lack of fans and what it's like for the players playing under it and the White Lives Matter banner that we saw over Burnley last night. And it's all been talk around that sort of stuff. While we've got Alex in now, the VAR tonight. So, Hume-Min's on the first one, clearly offside, only by a toenail as ever. But Ryan Fredericks, who we will go on to later, I thought was absolute shambles tonight. Embarrassing. He strengthened Jeremy and Gakia's negotiating position tenfold with his performance because I thought he was woeful. But he plays Hume-Min's on just offside for the first goal. Really, no doubt about it. Um, Alex went up in arms. <laughs> When the goal went in, but it was clear and obvious afterwards. I woke up for about five seconds to celebrate and went back to sleep when it got disallowed. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the the second one, I'll, I'll throw to Alex first. The, the the rule states whether we like it or not. So this isn't going to be a an opinion exchange at first. The rule states that if a ball hits an attacking player's arm in the build up to a goal, it will be called handball and the goal will be disallowed. That is what the rule states. So, based on what we saw tonight, it seemed to me and all the pundits afterwards and basically anyone else, everyone who was watching the game other than the VAR, that the ball struck Sanchez on the arm. Having seen it back, Alex, do you just take your Tottenham hat off for a second? Mm. What do you think? It, it was a weird one because it, it seems like at the time when, when the goal went in, they didn't make much of it on Sky. Like they showed, I think, one replay, kind of said, yeah, that's fine, and they, they moved on with it. And I, I thought it looked an all right goal. Having seen it since, there is maybe a case for you boys to argue that it does clearly strike the arm. We know that the, the um, handball rule is all over shop at the moment and no one really quite knows what's going on with it. Um, if I was in your position, I'd obviously be a bit peeved with it. Um, and it's one of those things, isn't it? That, that could, in theory, make, make for all the difference in relegation or not. If that doesn't go in and you nick a goal out of nowhere, then that's three massive points for you boys and you could, could go on and kickstart your season. But Having said that, I don't. It's handball. You never know what's going on at the moment, do you? Um, and I don't genuinely think I could see you scoring if we were still playing now. Um, but yeah, weird one, weird game in general. But I'm, I'm happy with it. I know you boys aren't, James. Yeah, like, I think even if that was disallowed, um, as you just said, um, we weren't scoring. We weren't equalising. The only the only thing that 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 could affect is the goal difference uh, at the end of the season, depending on sort of where we are. But you know, I've just been—I got Sky on steel, and they've just shown the the Declan Rice handball at Sheffield United, which was ruled out that that last minute equaliser. Um, you know, that one mattered more because it cost us a point tonight. Not so much because it it was it was a lot less clear cut than the Declan Rice one at Sheffield United, um, which ended up being overturned. And yeah, I just don't. Uh, I don't think it really it really would have mattered either way. So I'm not that frustrated by it this this time around. Tom, do you, do you buy into that? Because I, I don't, I, as James is saying that there, to be honest, I thought we offered a lot more going forward tonight than we did against Wolves. Mm, Bowen hits the post. Antonio, early in the game, he, he has the effort that Lloris saves and then Bowen should probably do better from, from the backup. Do you buy into that, Tom? Or do you think it's perhaps more, you know, that would have had more of an impact than James is saying? I think I'm with you. I think we definitely showed more today and we had a little bit of life going forward and who knows if we could have grown in the game. But from me watching it and seeing the replays, but I wasn't, 
up in arms. I was at the Sheffield United one. Obviously, that was in the 92nd minute, whenever it was. That one cost us. Today felt like they were coming on to us regardless, and it felt like we were just sitting in a bunker waiting for things to happen. Moyes wasn't going to make a change. If he could have, he would have played the 90 minutes of the full team. It was just as if we were waiting for something to happen for a game to sort of go down a different pathway, and that was the sort of thing which sparked it. I thought personally, obviously, I would say it's unbiased. I thought it should have, from the rules you stated, it's probably not a goal. And like we saw with the it's rise... It's not, is it? It's, it's not, not a goal. bias aside. Yeah, it's yeah. Not. It's, it's not a goal. And, and I'm with you. Maybe could have held on. Maybe it would have changed. But the fact, the only thing which for me is a bit different, it was 60-odd minute or whenever it was. So there's plenty of time left in the game and it was only going one way. But that doesn't change the fact that for me it wasn't a goal. But I'm not actually that angry about it because I'm just more disappointed with the way we played and felt like that was coming regardless. But it wasn't a goal, if that makes well, sense. Once again, two games from two, West Ham United have shown very little going forward and just generally look like a team destined for relegation this season. We'll stay with us. Alex will stay with us for the next segment when we'll carry on discussing the Tottenham game before we go on to talk about... We'll cover Wolves, unfortunately. I understand if you if you don't want to listen. We don't really want to talk about it either. But we'll try and make you smile if we can. Then we'll talk about the next game up. Don't worry about it. Things might look bad now, but we've got Chelsea away next. So stick with us and we'll carry on chatting about everything positive and smiley about West Ham next. You are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast and West Ham have just been smashed off the park by a very lacklustre Tottenham Hotspur. However, West Ham as ever managed to be just a little bit worse than the opposition they faced on the night. The 2-0 defeat at the new White Hart Lane or the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium or whatever you call it, the most exciting thing that I think happened to West Ham's team tonight is they got to get changed in the NFL changing rooms rather than their regular football ones. It's pretty hard going for us on the West Ham podcast tonight. Jonesy has never looked less up for a West Ham podcast <laughs> in the history of the show. Tom looks a little bit more jazzy. He's got a new haircut. We normally talk about hair right at the beginning of the show. I've got a couple of compliments on my flowery shirt. Jonesy, Philippe Anderson was dropped. You've written on the running order, Will must be buzzing. And I know it was a little bit of a running joke earlier on in the season or earlier on in Philippe Anderson's West Ham career. But Philippe Anderson just does not look interested anymore. So it's not really about me being buzzing. It's about David Moyes warranting his salary by realising that the bloke he's putting on the pitch, whether we paid 40 million for him or not, and he's getting 140 grand a week or not, the fact is we're fighting for our lives as a football club. You cannot start that bloke. And I mean, what an embarrassment he was when he came on. Before we go back to Alex to get his view as a bit of a third party, I do want to hear a bit more about what you've got to say because... Everyone knows how I feel about him and he hasn't done anything to change my mind tonight. He's got to be the most, most frustrating player at a football club because like, he's definitely got talent, but he just clearly, he just, he's, it's just if he uses the fact that he's Brazilian and uh, as an excuse for being a laid-back footballer. And it, it, goes, it goes against everything that, that West Ham all about with, with these sort of players. Um, he, well, the one thing that made me laugh uh, uh, tonight was just as he was about to come on, it was that drinks break and he was doing little sprints up and down the touchline when it had to come on. And I thought, that's the most you've run for the last, what, two years. Uh, but then he made a tackle when he came on, which I thought was quite cute. But, uh, oh, yeah. you know, uh, um, yeah, again, when he came, very, very ineffective, um, didn't run a lot, uh, probably used up all his energy warming up trying to get, come on. And yeah, I, I just, I don't know where we go with, go from here with him because, I really thought, oh, maybe he's just getting used to being in and getting used to getting used to it. But he's not improving. If anything, he's getting worse. Um, he's looking less interested by the week. Um, and if we sold him this summer, then happy days. Happy days. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think he knows whether we stay up or go down, he's probably going to be on his way either way. He'll be fine financially. Tom, I, I'm judging by your body language there, mm. I saw you agree with Jonesy. So what I'll do, before we go, mm. I'll let you have your negative spout when we move on to Ryan Fredericks in a bit, if that's all right with Perfect. you. And we'll just throw to Alex again, as I uh, just lucky to be joined tonight by Alex Milne from the Daily Mirror. Oh, very lucky. What? Lucky. What, what coup? Lucky indeed. Really? And uh, we've had, as we all know, we try and get esteemed guests on the We Are Sam podcast every week. We've had Rashane Thomas from the Athletic recently, Sam Ingersoll from Football London, Duncan Wright from the Sun. Before we try and get uh, these these learned guests where we can. 
Alex, when you look at Philippe Anderson from tonight, as you said already, you won't watch as much West Ham as we do, obviously. Mm. What were what were your thoughts? I mean, I think a few, maybe even last season or when did he first join you? Was it two thousand and season, season before? Yeah, there, there would have been a time I think when seeing him come off a bench would have would have worried me a bit. So I think he he did start quite well. We went to see a game at the London Stadium, the, the Spurs West Ham um, Carabao Cup game, and I thought he looked lively there. I've seen enough of him to know that he's a very talented footballer. But tonight, I just I didn't feel worried because I, I know how you you feel about him. And I could tell straight away from his body language, he, like you said, he wasn't interested. He's not that bothered about whether you stay up or not. He might already have his head on future plans. And I just think when you're in a relegation scrap, you need players who proper feel the club. You can say one of our performances of the likes of, I don't know, Mark Noble, Fredericks tonight, but you can see that they actually care. Anderson came on and it just seemed like he just wasn't, wasn't bothered at all. And I think it, it, it helped us in many ways because he just was a passenger of the game, wasn't he? Um, I don't know if I'm, I'm throwing forward slightly because I feel like this is very negative and I want to do the very rare thing of, as a Spurs fan, giving you boys some positivity. Am I allowed to do that? <laughs> I think okay. so. Someone's got it, mate. Yeah. Need it, need right. it. From a neutral perspective, I'm not going to beat about the bush. You are a very bad football team at the moment. But I repeat what I said to you before lockdown is that I think there are three teams worse than you in the Premier League. And I still maintain that I think Norwich, Aston Villa... And Bournemouth. Bournemouth. I, I still, I still maintain. When I look every week, I still think there's something about you that you've got that those other teams haven't. I'd be most worried about Villa because they have got the likes of Grealish, McGinn, match winners. But yeah. I just think at the back they're a shambles, and you're slightly more solid than them. And I think if I was a betting man, I'd still say you'd stay up. And I'm not giving you praise. So I think you're a dreadful team, but you're in the fortunate position at the moment where I think there are just three worst teams at the moment. Tom, uh, that's that's intriguing because I I was kind of of that mindset before lockdown. We're thinking, yeah, I think there are just we're not very good, but they're three worse teams than us. However, as I mentioned earlier on, I've watched Villa, uh, both of Villa's games, and I watched Watford against Leicester the other day, and I rate both of those. And I honestly think now, and this isn't me wanting to do a completely negative podcast to wind everyone up who's listening, but I, I just think now as a as a purely take my West Ham hat off as purely knowing and having watched so much football in my life, I think it's us, Bournemouth and Norwich who are gone. What, what do you think? I'm, I'm very much in the camp that on paper, obviously, for paper, I think that we sh- there's no way in a million years you have got our team compared to them we should go down. But I'm absolutely with you, Will, mate. The, the, seeing Villa's performance against Sheffield United, two hard, hard-working teams they created a bit against Chelsea, backs against the ball for 60 minutes, had none of the ball, they still created something, got the ball in their box and took a chance. I think they just have a little bit more care. They've got, don't get me wrong, Mark Noble cares about West Ham just as much as Grealish does. Grealish is younger, better, more talented to make a difference in that squad and carry that team by the scruff of the neck. We don't have a single player who's good enough or talented enough to really impl- like implement that care on the rest of the team, whereas they do. And they've got winnable games. They've got us to play. They've got a few other games. They've got Newcastle away next week. They're, they're running. Obviously, they've got a few of the big boys as well. But I, I think they're the one I'm worried about. I'm with you that the other two are sort of, they're gone. They're just like us, but worse with less quality. We've got quality in our side, which I honestly, at the start of the season, said top eight on paper. And I still wouldn't say that our squad on paper is bad. But they just don't care. They have no fight, and there's not a leader in that squad who's grabbing them by the scruff of the neck and turning out performances and making them fight. So I'm, I'm very much between the two you two mentioned and us or Villa, and that's it for me. I think it's 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 between those two. Yeah, I I agree. Obviously, that last game of the season against Villa at home, looking more and more vital. James, I'm not sure whether you're going to cry, headbutt your laptop screen, or just get up and walk away. <laughs> I know you're not happy. I know you don't like losing to Tottenham, and I know you don't like West Ham being as as awful as they are at the moment. We do try and do our best on the We Are West Ham podcast to at least at least try and and, and make people smile, even though it, it you know there's not really not a lot to smile about on the pitch at the moment. Whether I tell you what, what we'll do, we'll throw to you now. Declan Rice tonight. And I thought it might be a bad thing in the long run because he's clearly so much better than West Ham. But talk to me about Declan Rice tonight. What did you think? Um, he was probably the second best player on our team tonight. After I who? 
Jared Bowen. I thought Jared Bowen was was very, very good going forward. He was the only player that actually looked like he wanted to attack. Um, I mean, and defend. And defend. I mean, yeah. Antonio um, does try, but he kept getting kept falling over, which kind of held us back a little bit. I felt like he was a little bit too light on his feet tonight. But Jared Bowen and Deccan Rice were the two best things. Deccan Rice, just, it was just his usual busy self in midfield, always getting back, always covering, always making tackles. And his distribution was um, superb, I thought. Um, yeah, the ball he played, the left-footed diagonal that he played over the top for Antonio that he ended up shanking over. Yeah. That was something else, wasn't it? Yeah, and he did that a few times. Switched to play, like really good vision. Um, but, you know, when it lands at the feet of the likes of Felipe Anderson or, you know, Michael Antonio, who can barely control the football, um, facing goal, let alone with his back to goal, it's just um, it's frustrating. Um, and if anything... If we don't stay up, then it's the last we're going to see of Deccan Rice or Jared Bone or, or most of them. And that's one of the most depressing things at the moment is that you see a display like that with not very many positives. And the one positive out of it, you know, is on his way out of the football club because we're terrible. Um, and we're never going to have a player like that come through the academy again for a long time if we continue to be terrible. We're not going to keep players like that if we continue to be terrible. So that's what's annoyed me tonight more than anything. Forget, I'm not really bold about losing to Spurs. We're used to that now. Um, it's more the the the, the actual clear realization that, that this is this is actually happening, um, and it's happening in the worst possible way. Like literally, no fight from the majority of the team over the last two games, and it's unacceptable. It does it feels very much like the day we went down on the last day of the season away at Wigan when Denver Bar put us two new up, and we ended up losing Charles and Zogbia. Uh, banged the put the the final nail in the coffin towards the end at the the DW Stadium or the JJB whatever it was six and a half thousand West Ham fans there. But I think it's important to remember we've we've been pretty negative, understandably, on this show, and we will be when it needs to be said. And tonight is certainly one of those nights where it needs to be said. But we we'll all be there, you know, even though it's next season, even if there's twenty five thousand people in that sixty thousand hollow arena. Me and James and Tom, we might just get tickets near each other and we'll be able to lay yeah. down as if we like we were tonight on the sofa. We'll be able to have our feet up because there'll be so many empty seats in the London Stadium. And in the championship it might be a little bit easier to get an away ticket when they uh, when they haven't got the thirty pound cap on them anymore. But listen, one last thing, Tom, I'll, I'll throw it to you now because I, I was generally appalled by his uh, his his performance mm. tonight. Ryan Fredericks Jeremy and Gakia, the, the situation there, we've, we've done that one to death. It, it seems since we did it last week and we spoke about it, nothing mm. seems to have happened. He played against Wolves. I thought he didn't look as good as he did before lockdown in the Wolves game, but I thought he looked okay. And then Ryan Fredericks... He was asleep against Wolves. I, yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, but he wasn't... Are you? What do you think he was better than worse than Fredericks was tonight? Because that's what I was going to throw yeah. to Tom about. Yeah, I, I, you do. I, gen, I genuinely don't think. I thought he, I didn't think he had a very good game against Wolves. I didn't think he had a good game either. I, think, I mean, the, I think the, there was a couple of times compared, when the ball, the ball came near to him, and it took him a while to realise that the ball was coming to him because he was too busy daydreaming. Um, I just didn't think he, he was focused enough. Uh, it, was, but, it, was for, a really, it was the wrong decision to play him against Wolves. It really was. Yeah, well, it's the wrong decision to play him. A kid who said he's not going to sign a contract, who's leaving in a certain amount of days, who clearly heads isn't quite right, whether that be not caring or just overwhelmed with what's going on. You cannot play a 19-year-old kid who was at start of the season probably working out how to stay in a football league and get a contract somewhere else to being thrown into a massive, massive Premier League game when there's no fans, the situation's completely different and you're leaving that club in 14 days. It was a poor, poor decision from Moyes to play him. Not saying he was terrible. I'm with you as well, Will, today. Fredericks was bad and out his depth mm. as well. But I just think both both of them were poor. And the fact that we played in Gakia was... It boggled my mind at the time. And after the game, I didn't change my mind. And I just found it a weird decision. That That is... I'm generally quite interested in that, to be honest. So I wasn't expecting mm. that uh, Jonesy there saying how, how bad he was. Because... I generally thought, oh, this is actually quite clever from Moyes. He's trying to show that, look, you will get first-team opportunities here. And, we, you know, we, we, we do trust you and we will throw you in. And as well, not only that, he was thinking, oh, you know what? The kid's probably playing for a contract somewhere, whether it, if it's here or not. We've got nine games left. Whether he's here next season or not, I don't really care. He's playing for a contract somewhere. So he'll try and play out of his skin. 
at the beginning, I thought oh, that's quite a shrewd idea, actually. Like everyone will be thinking, "Ah, oh, no, you can't play him because his head won't be right." I don't think he was great, but I think the a player like Ryan Fredericks on forty k a week, which is eight times more than the five grand and Gaki is being offered. Gaki's getting what scholarship fees of like five hundred a thousand pound a week at the moment, and uh, whether or not it was the right decision or not to play, I think and Gaki was kind of what you'd expect from a youngster who, like you said, might be overwhelmed by it all. But I'm far more disgusted by Ryan Fredericks tonight. The, mm. the guy's on 40-odd grand a week, and he's supposed to be our um, number one right back. That's what he's supposed to be. Mm. The bloke was running around like a headless chicken tonight, Tom. Don't you do sh- yeah. I, I thought he was wonderful. No. no, no, I'm with you. What I was saying with the Ngaki, I didn't think Ngaki was great, but that doesn't take away from the fact that I, I'm so with you. In fact, I think he was... I think he was trying. I think he get. I just think he's out his depth, man. I just think it's one of those. It's a free transfer, and at the time, it was saving as much money as the owners could. He had a good. He had a good season in a Fulham side, which just came up by the playoffs, and they thought, "Hello, it'll sort." It's one of those signings which pieces fans. They think Fulham are an exciting team in a championship. We'll get him in free transfer. Looks very good. There's a reason that he wasn't tied down a year earlier by Fulham, and he's just had a breakout season. And I think it's sort of coming to fruition. He's a bit. He's just out of depth. He's giving it his best. I, I personally preferred his performance. I've not preferred his performance to Ngakia, but I, I didn't pick too many fault. Noble was the one for me, which I had big issues with today. Mm-hmm. I love him. I love him to death, but you just looked out his depth. And I thought Fredericks was... not his fault, is it? Yeah, I know what you mean. I yeah, do you know what I mean? mean. I, just think, I think there's a number of players who just looked way out of their depth today and just totally not ready for what we've got to come. And the, the magnitude of games that we'll have when we play Watford and we play Villa... They're two teams who are fighting for it. They're not going down the way we're going. They're going to go down, kicking lumps out of us, coming at us and proper giving us a go. And I feel like those, there's a few players in there who those games will pass them by. And if, if they do, we're as good as down. And, and that Alex, was my, my big take from it. Absolutely. Alex, before we let you go, we've got a couple of minutes left in, in this segment. Ryan Fredericks, I wasn't impressed with him at all tonight. Give us, first of all, give us your thoughts on him and what you thought. And just generally, if from a neutral perspective, I know you're sports on him, but as, with your sports journalist hat on, what do you think there's any positives West Ham can take after the evening into the rest of the season? Yeah, I mean, he had a tough night, didn't he, the lad? In fairness, he was coming up, let's not forget, we, we're not very good at the moment, but you are coming up against the likes of Son, Kane, uh, Lucas Moura. They're difficult players to defend against, and I certainly wouldn't want to be in his position. I've not seen enough of him to, to know if this is a regular occurrence, but yeah, he, he didn't have a good game and he's going to have to up it a lot if, if you guys want to stay up. Um, what's the second question? Generally, general thoughts about West Ham. <sighs> Look, I still maintain you'll stay up and I'll tell you why. I just think there's something, there's something you've got. I like Fornells, for example. I think he didn't, he didn't play well tonight, did he, at all? But on his day, he's the sort of player who can be a match winner. I think you've got enough about you you say you played Villa last game of the season. I mean, it genuinely could come down to that because mm. I think genuinely there's, it's, I don't, I don't see many, many more wins between any of those bottom four teams. And I think it's going to come down to one or two more wins between you. Um, and what I will say is even with the Spurs hat I want West Ham to stay up. I like these Derby games. I think tonight was a, a sad imitation of a of Spurs West Ham Derby. We've seen so many good games over the years, some four threes, three twos, either way. And I want to see that game again next season in a full stadium with a buzzing support. Um, and I think it would genuinely be a shame if you go down. I'd worry, I'm sure you guys have got your views, but I'd worry that you wouldn't bounce back up straight away. But um, I do genuinely want to stay up. Well, just uh, pretty, pretty gloomy times at the London Stadium at the moment. But don't worry, we've got the uh, Wolves review coming up and, of course, the Chelsea away game. So stick with us and we'll be back to talk about all of that and a little bit more next. You are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast and it may well just be one of our most negative episodes ever, but that's all right. We're still trying to smile through it where we can and we hope you are too. Tom, we're, we're recording this right after the Tottenham game, so we're getting quotes come through the thick mm. and fast on the podcast and, and post-game reaction from, from players and managers. One quite alarming thing we've heard that's just come through to us here on the We Are West Ham podcast is David Moyer's post-game comments. And am I right in thinking that he's basically trying to blame VAR for that shambles? 
He's effectively been saying, I can't believe that they ruled that as a goal and that was effectively some sort of catalyst. Obviously, he's not blaming it totally, but is the overriding line is his fury at VAR and how it's cost us um, again sort of thing. Obviously, he talks about Sheffield United thing, whatever it is. But he, yeah, very much so blaming that. And the issue that I take with that is, as like me and Jonesy said before, that potentially maybe it isn't a goal or shouldn't be a goal that it was coming, the momentum was folding and, and you want your manager to come out with his, a puff chest, assume some responsibility. We've shown him nothing before that. We had no chances before that. We didn't do anything. He hadn't made a sub to sort of change the flow of the game. Sort of th- the fact that you sort of palm the blame off and make it out as if it was an error of the, the officials, that, that's quite a cowardice thing to do when we come out with the two points we have done. There should be a level of responsibility a man at the helm of a club takes when we're in this predicament and it's sort of passing the buck and passing the blame and just another thing on Moyes I think we've all seen the stat going around that his record is now officially considerably worse than Avram Grant's record as West Ham manager I think he's still three wins off Avram Grant without with one game fewer or whatever it is so yeah it, it, it's just it's it's another ball in the chain which is saying that Moyes isn't really the man who's going to assume responsibility and realise that we didn't show enough and we're not showing enough fight. And it's a bit of a worry that he can't come out with that and sort of say that to the media that we weren't good enough when we clearly weren't. Well, people were quick to to call Manuel Pelling- or criticise Manuel Pellegrini and the club for hiring a man who's clearly after one last payday. Well, I think that West Ham got rid of David Moyes before. No other clubs were seemingly interested in him between the time where we sacked him and hired him again. So if any, if ever there was a manager who seemed to be on another one last payday, just because he's, he's British this time rather than Chilean, it still seems exactly the same sort of thing for me. Very little motivation. I do think one thing needs to be said, though, uh, that, that that shouldn't have been a goal. Regardless of how awful we are for the rest of the game, that would have still been nil-nil. We could have still clung on. To, and we might have clung on for a nil-nil. You, you never know. That, that shouldn't have been a goal. It did change the game. Um, but it was awful. Jones, you got anything to add on that before we move on to Wolves? <laughs> or have you said enough? <laughs> um, yeah, no. It, I, it just frustrates me that he, we keep hearing from him that, you know, he wants, he wants to change this perception that people have of him, of this sort of like, sort of old-fashioned dinosaur of a manager and, you know, we keep hearing that he's so eager for people to realise that, no, he can keep up with the times and, and take West Ham forward and, and then he comes out with excuses like that. Winning's um, what he does, James. Winning's what he does. Well, this, this is the thing. I mean, we get to see it though, guys, don't we? And it's, it's getting tiring now and to come out after performance, like after the last two games, to come out and just blame VAR when... One VAR decision's actually gone our way tonight in the in the Son goal in the first half. Um, to then blame VAR for for the uh, for the uh, result and the performance is is wrong. It's irresponsible. Um, he should just hold his hands up. He's played the wrong wrong style for the for the players he's got available. Um, you know we're playing like we still got Andy Carroll on the pitch for crying out loud. I mean what's what's the point? Um, poor old Antonio. I keep saying it. It's just Lumping the ball up to him. He's one of the smallest guys on the pitch. It's not how you play Antonio. Um, and everyone wonders why why we're not scoring goals. It's because of that. Um, so, yeah, I know we were raving about seeing Haller. Um, it's just typical that he's injured because, you know, I think we could have really, really done with him over the last two games. Um, but, yeah, more is just clutching at straws with that excuse. Well, look, poor, poor night tonight, James. West Ham 17th place in the Premier League table at the moment on 27 points, which is level on points with 18th place Bournemouth, just one point above 19th place Aston Villa, who've got 26, Norwich in 20th, rock bottom on 21 points. You'd hope that Norwich wouldn't be able to catch us and having seen them since lockdown, I don't think they will. Watford, uh, one place above us in 16th with 28 points. And Brighton, who look really lively, to be honest, looked good again tonight at, at Leicester. I watched a game against Leicester, looked really good against Arsenal. If, if it wasn't for the missed penalty tonight, they would have got more out of that game. Uh, I, I can't see the, the, us travelling up the table. I think 17th is very much the best we can hope for at the moment. Wolves, last week, James, I, I'll be honest, I thought it was worse than tonight was. Uh, I thought for 70 minutes, I thought we defended really well. 
and again showed very little going forward. Adama Traore comes on, completely changes the game. It was already a tired team by that stage anyway, a tired West Ham team and basically the strongest, fastest bloke in the Premier League comes on. I thought Diop could have done more perhaps for him and his open goal. But again, a 2-0 defeat just like we've got tonight. No one's going, ah, oh, we've been robbed there. What were your what were your thoughts on the game after the game? Goes goes back to David Moyes again. I think um, everyone knew that was what Wolves were going to do. The moment we saw that Adam Traore was starting on the bench, you knew that they were going to leave it till twenty twenty five minutes before the end. If the game's still level, he's going to throw him on, and he's going to change the game. Uh, why didn't Moyes see it coming? And then, more importantly, why didn't he react when it what, happened? What? What would you do though? And I mean it. I'm not uh, on this one. What would you have done? We've got Aaron Cresswell, who I thought again looked leggy tonight. I didn't think he looked. His set pieces were woeful. Mm. What What would you have done? Because let's be honest, Traore is one of the like, he is one of the Premier League's best right wingers, isn't he? To be honest, what What more could we do? We haven't got an outstanding left back waiting on the bench. I think he took on two players for the first goal. What did, What do you think? You double up on him. He took on two players, but he had so much time on the ball to run at those two players. You double up on him. A player like that, you have to double up on him. Um, and instead, we were letting him get the ball, think about it, then run at a player, then run at another player, um, beat a man. And, you know, a player is as quick and powerful. Um, and I thought Antonio was was big and stocky. And then you see him come on. You know, it's like, <laughs> what? Yeah, he's massive. He's, I saw it. He's like a rugby so- player. I saw an excellent tweet the other night that said, Adama Traore is the player that all West Ham th- fans think Mikhail Antonio is. Yeah. yeah and that true. sums it up, it's doesn't true. it? It's true. But the, we didn't react to it. Um, even, right. if, even if Moyes didn't see it coming for whatever reason, when it did happen, he must have gone, oh, hang on, that's that really fast bloke that everyone's raving about. <laughs> uh, we better do something about this before he, he sets a goal up or scores himself. And by the way, oh, it's wait, too late. Hang on. Oh, he's yeah, done yeah. it. Yeah. And then, yeah. And, then, and then Neto bangs in a, a worldie and it's just like, yeah. Mm. Well, Traoro um, tri- involved in the build-up to that goal, wasn't he? Turns exactly. Lanzini in the middle of the park has just come on, plays it out wide to, I can't, I think it might have been Doherty who played the crossing. And yeah. Neto bangs it in at the far post. Tom, have mm. you, have you, I mean... It's hard, isn't it? I mean, I'm trying yeah. to say it with a positive, upbeat voice, but what positives are there? I, 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 I'm, mm. Is anyone else, can you two shed any light on the Haller situation, Tom, perhaps? Apparently, apparently he was touch and go for today and then still not training. So you'd expect he's back. We've got eight days, is it, until Chelsea? So you'd expect he'd be back for that, which is slight positive. I mean, like we mentioned earlier, Rice is a definite positive. Our fixture list could be significantly worse. Um, there's still hope. I mean, we're still out of the relegation zone in theory. Maybe by tomorrow night we won't be, but there is definite hope. But I think the, the, my thing, which, which Jonesy, you two were talking about just then about the Troy, the fact was we just decided to meet him so deep and invite him on. Obviously, the theory is obviously quick players going in behind give him less space, so drop deeper. Yeah, he's yeah. got a guy who's got, he's powerful, strong, two footed, effectively dribbling two footed, and he can get through small spaces as such a big bloke. You want to meet him higher up the pitch. You want to make it difficult for him. You want to foul him higher up the pitch, release, put pressure on him higher up the pitch so as to give it or make a decision further away from your own goal. The fact that we constantly back him up, back him up, the same in Molyneux, Cresswell would take him on at the halfway line and before he'd even tried to make a challenge, he'd be at our own byline. And it's just decision-making of how to stop uh, a player who, of that ilk. You don't want them near your goal. The, the more touches they have away from the goal, the better. So I think today in the Wolves game, just how we defended obviously you've got to give these sides respect but we are also not a team famed for defending we've actually got better players in our front six yet we are playing with 11 men behind the ball <laughs> in our own third and I think that, that was my difficulty with the Triore thing sorry yeah. on a tangent but that was, that was no. my main thing on Triore. No you say you say we've got six players we're supposed to be an attacking team I'd, yeah I mean I don't know what we've seen of that this season yeah, I do think not. I it's funny, I thought we missed Declan Rice in midfield uh, for the Wolves game. And I thought, ah, oh, if, uh, you know, he's had to step back. And again, I thought he was class. I thought he was outstanding yeah. at centre-back. What a, what a class act he really is. And I thought, oh, well, that'll be all right. <laughs> Next game, perhaps he'll be able to step up in midfield and Bonner comes back in. And poor old Fabian Balbuena comes in. We've definitely got our four million quid's worth out of him in that first good season. Yeah, that'll be it. Because again, he just even tonight he just looked he looked really out of sorts. But 
I don't think, Jonesy, before we move on, have you? is there too much more to add on that Wolves game? I think yeah, everyone saw it. We spoke to Sam from the Wolves 77 podcast beforehand, before that game, and we will speak. We'll have a Chelsea guest on next week. We play Chelsea next Wednesday, of course, and uh, this podcast goes out and recorded on the Tuesday night. So is there anything else to add on Wolves, James? Sam, Sam from the Wolves podcast said it was coming. We thought it was coming, and it came, and we've moved on, and then the same yeah. thing happened tonight. Yeah, I mean, that's what you did mention it there about Deck and Rice at centre uh, against Wolves at centre half. I thought, you know, we, we did miss him in midfield, and in the first ten fifteen minutes of tonight against Spurs, you know, I think we showed how much we missed him because we did have a we did look a lot better in those first opening exchanges. And I thought, yeah, it's because Rice is in midfield, just shoring things up and allowing those forward players to, you know, to attack a little bit or at least show some kind of intent. But um, Essentially, it's two two new defeats, and um, at least they looked a little bit more awake against Spurs than they did against Wolves. They looked half asleep. Um, but yeah, Chelsea next. I think it's Newcastle away after that, and they're just it's just a little bit ridiculous now, isn't it? Well, look, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll try and uh, we'll try and spin this round for a little bit of positivity at the moment. So, uh, Aston Villa's next games before they play us on the last game of the season. They got Newcastle away tomorrow at six o'clock. Newcastle tore Sheffield United apart the other day, so they're in scintillating form. So they're almost certainly going to beat Aston Villa. Aston Villa then home to Wolves, and we all know how impossible it is to beat Wolves at home. Then Villa away to Liverpool, home to Man United, home to Crystal Palace, high flying. Crystal Palace away to Everton who held the champions in weight into a draw at the weekend home to Arsenal which is obviously an easy three points for Villa because Arsenal are shambles and then away to West Ham the last game of the season so <laughs> well it may be negative from a West Ham United point of view we've got to hope that with that running Villa have got that surely they're not going to be picking up many more points than we are it is Chelsea next week Tom just quickly we will do it in more detail next week when we'll have a Chelsea guest on Positive about that, or because I watched them at the weekend against Villa, that Villa depended, defended very compactly. Mm. Uh, Chelsea, they did, they were good value for the win. They weren't all, mm. they had all the ball. A positive at all, or sadly, I mean, the only positive is we we've actually played quite well against Chelsea in recent years. That that's a it literally is a luck thing. I mean, I think it'll be very similar games to the game they had at Villa Park, where they just dictated the ball, even when. Villa went 1-0 up. Obviously, I wasn't thinking this because it's a bad result for us, but it was, in theory, coming. You could see them dictating the ball. I think it'd be very similar to that. It's just a question of if Haller's back and if we actually offer us something going the other way. So, I'm not totally doom and gloom. Like I said, I think we do have some decent players in there. It's just mentality shift, but I, I can't see past them, them running rings around us, sadly. It's more the four after that that I'm hopeful for, I guess. Absolutely. Well, West Ham got a few more on paper. Tom, Tom's mentioned it tonight. Things on paper obviously don't necessarily end up playing out on the pitch. West Ham have got some games against some teams that are hopefully slightly more winnable than the two we've had since football came back after lockdown. But it might be negative. It might be with a, a reaction podcast that we've done tonight, which we don't often do. But we wanted to do it in order to get the podcast out on the normal time on a Wednesday morning and uh, with immediate reaction from the lads. However, on the bright side, it might look all doom and gloom for West Ham in the Premier League, but we've still got the Road Mystery Players quiz, so stick with us because that'll be up next. listening to the we are west ham podcast with me will pew tom edwards and james jones and i'll be honest it's been one of our hardest ones we've done so far it's not been easy to get positive and, and stay upbeat about the hammers after a 2-0 defeat tonight against away against tottenham hotspur a lackluster tottenham hotspur side after another 2-0 defeat at home to wolves not good stuff at the moment. However, as always, the last, very last segment of the We Are West Ham podcast is, of course, the Rogue Mystery Players Quiz. Debutant Tom Edwards, who's after his brief loan spell on the We Are West Ham podcast over the last season or so, signed on a permanent deal in, in, to replace the departing Charlie Edwards a few weeks ago. And Tom's had a scintillating start to his West Ham career. And it doesn't look like he'll be doing a Jeremy and Gakia and clearing off anytime soon. He's won, he's beat James two from two in the friendly rogue mystery players quizzes that we've been doing so far. Tom, 
pretty good form. Your form's certainly better than West Ham. James, very much the West Ham of the Rogue Mystery Players quiz recently. He's still buzzing because he's got the actual trophy sitting behind him on his shelf there in his front room from where he beat me in the full-blown league earlier in the season. You, you feeling good going into a quiz, Tom? I mean, yeah, I think tonight's, tonight's result could have sort of upset the apple cart, so to speak. But just going to have a clear mind ending this to one well, mate. Two, two from two, I'm confident. Absolutely. Jonesy, I've never been so scared, even though we, you know, we've been doing these podcasts on Zoom. We haven't been in a studio together for a while. Even when we were in West Ham, we're poor. I, I don't think I've seen you crack a smile for the, the, the 45 minutes we've been doing this show for so far. And, you know, I'm, I'm scared of you, James. You're an imposing character and it doesn't look like I've been enjoying it too much. Is the quiz, is it finally some salvation for you? You're going to put a smile on your face? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm feeling good now. Uh, I've got it all out my system. Um, yep. And my favourite se- segment of the show is obviously the quiz. <laughs> so uh, I've got a smile on my face again. I'm happy and uh, I'm ready to, to play another friendly and probably lose. Because as I said last week, it's all about the fitness. <laughs> all about the fitness indeed. Well, we've got, as always, the Road Mystery Players quiz. There's three players, five clues for each player. The clues get progressively easier in the hope that one of the lads can jump in with the right answer. It's best of three, so first to two. Wins the week. Tom's got two from two since his uh, We Are West Ham full debut a couple of weeks ago. So, as always, Rogue Mystery Players quiz. This is player number one, clue number one. This player was born in Africa in 1983. Brilliant. Yeah, got it. Clue number two. He's the current manager of El Macasa. Clue number three. This player played for Ghent, Ajax, Marseille and Roma before his time at West Ham, among other clubs. Still no guesses from the boys. Clue number four. This player joined West Ham on loan in 2010 on a reported £1,000 a week. Mido. Correct, James Jones, as just like he did last week. James Jones goes 1-0 up, as he did last week. Tom did come back. I'll give him that. That's a good one, that. That's a good one. In there nice and quickly. Remaining clues with nine games and zero goals for the Egyptian striker, which you probably would have got immediately. Bit of a Tottenham theme there. We were talking earlier on tonight about Mido's goal against West Ham, but he didn't score any for us, unfortunately. So, James Jones, 1-0 up as we approach player number two, clue number one. One of James Jones's favourite clues, this player's middle name is Simon. (laughs) 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 Babianski. This 38-year-old had three England under-21 caps. Oh, come on. Anton Ferdinand. Incorrect. (laughs) Clue number three. This player played for Luton, Portsmouth and Bolton before West Ham. Matty Taylor. Correct. Thomas Edwards makes it 1-0. And could we have a repeat performance from last week when James Jones went 1-0 up and Tom Edwards brought it back to 2-1. Matt Taylor played 76 league games for West Ham and two league goals. And this left-footed maestro was famous for his halfway line goals for Portsmouth in particular. So it all comes down to this last one, as it did last week. Tom Edwards looking to make it three wins from three since signing permanently for the We Are West Ham podcast. This is player number three, clue number one. This player currently plays for Pumas. Clue number two. Incorrect. It's not a bad shot, I like that. Clue number two. This 33-year-old has won the CONCACAF Gold Cup. Alex Song. Incorrect. Ooh, I like that. Pablo Barrera. Oh, out of nowhere! (laughs) Thomas Thomas Edwards (laughs) with a screamer! (laughs) He's hit that from the halfway line, that one. An absolute screamer. That was Matt Taylor-esque strike from Tom Edwards there after just two clues. It's only been seen on a few occasions in the past on the We Are West Ham podcast. But Thomas Edwards makes three wins from three. What a screamer. James Jones has officially had the worst night of his entire life. (laughs) 
<laughs> West Ham lose 2 0, two games in a row, and he loses the West Ham Rogue Mystery Players quiz three weeks in a row. Thomas Edwards got Pablo Barrera to win it. This uh, West Ham signed him in 2010 from the club he currently plays for, which is Pumas. Uh, Barrera got zero league goals for West Ham, and this Mexican played 15 times for the club with the remaining clues. James, I'm going to throw to you first because I feel like you might have had enough and you might just walk out the door before we're able to wrap up the podcast. Immediate thoughts? No, I'm not too too uh, upset about that one. Uh, if you're going to lose, then you've got to lose in. Where with guesses like that, that was sensational from from Tom. Um, I thought I was on the right track, but he's he's done me there with that one. Absolute worldy. So the, the CONCACAF Cup, James, was mm. clue number two. You've gone with Alex Song. I assume you thought that was an African tournament, did you? I, I was just throwing it out there. Um, mm. But yeah, no, well, no, obviously, but I was just throwing it out there. It happens to the best of us, James. Don't worry. Tom, three mm. wins from three. Absolutely outstanding start to your We Always Stand permanent career. Um, yeah, how, how are you feeling? I will confess that I, I was one of those who thought Pablo Pereira was going to be the next Ryan Giggs left foot wizard. So, uh, to be honest <laughs> with you, I, when the CONCAF was said, it wasn't actually that much of a long shot. I've got 105 of his shirts in my room from that season. So, <laughs> The SBO bet one with the collar, wasn't it? Yeah, you absolutely. know it, mate. Blue collar, yeah. Absolutely awful. Well, look, we've, uh, we've ended... The We Are West Ham podcast this week. One of our more negative episodes, but I think understandably so. Not looking good on the pitch for West Ham at the moment. But there's still hope. All of us here at We Are West Ham will certainly be sitting in front of our screens, as we all know a load of you will, at home for the final games of the season. Tom Edwards makes it three wins from three on the Rogue West Ham players quiz. James Jones, I mean, I've, I've never seen a man look so despairing, but he's a good friend of mine, so rest assured that I'll be giving him a call after the pod just to check that he's he's all right. I'll give you you two boys a last couple of chances to to sign off before we before we say goodbye. Jonesy, just a quick summary of, of how you're feeling at the moment and, and perhaps a little bit looking forward. And is there any hope? I feel all right. Um, obviously... I think it's the first time we've recorded a pod directly after a, a game. Let alone it feels different, doesn't it? It feels different. After a defeat to uh, our biggest rivals. And yeah, it does feel different. It, it's been difficult to really get up for it. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all right though. I'm, I'm, less worried, I'm less bothered about the fact that we lost the Spurs. I'm more bothered about the fact that there's now two defeats in a row, two poor performances with um, Chelsea up next and we could be in the bottom three by, by the end of this week and it's really, really it's beginning to really, really worry me a little bit I'm sure like everyone else as well uh, it's not great um, but yeah, you just got to click on say a little bit of hope that there are two other worse teams than us um, which potentially there are, I don't know we'll, have, we'll just have to see well, J- Jonesy, I mean, I do admire the the fact that you've tried to step up into the the void that I left when I became stepped into Charlie's shoes, and, and have tried to present this this podcast, uh, you know, only even half as well as Charlie would would. I'd be buzzing with that. I was, of course, the negative voice of the We Are Sam podcast beforehand, so I do appreciate you trying to step into my shoes and bring everyone else's mood down like I used to. Tom, just some, mm. some final thoughts for you uh, from my point of view. It's going to be touch and go, but it's not going to be one of those fire and gusto touch and goes like the Great Escape season mm. was, if you ask me. Just give us some final thoughts. No, I'm with you exactly, man. I mean, obviously worried, we're in a bad position, but we're a bad team amongst a few other bad teams. So there's definitely hope. Fixer list is positive. Could be a lot worse. Uh, we got some winnable fixtures in there. It's just the, it, it's just the manner of our losses which just makes us feel this sort of sober about everything. But there, there's always hope with West Ham. One week we lose six 0 the next week we can go Old Trafford away and win two 0 So fixer list coupled with that, coupled with decent squad when you actually bear it down to the bare bones and you think there's a chance there's always a chance of us that's how I put it mate so I'm never talking up there's always a chance and then obviously the the blind optimism that always comes with supporting West Ham well this week this week we'd we'd thank Alex Milne from sports journalist from the Daily Mirror for joining us we had spoke Ryan Fredericks spoke Declan Rice spoke VAR should or shouldn't have been a goal David Boys Walls Jeremy and Gacky we crammed loads in might not have been the, the most joyous of listening, but that is what supporting we are, we are West Ham and West Ham United looks like at the moment. Tom, 
nabbed it a little bit of positivity at the end with the Rogue Mystery Players quiz. Stick with us next week because we'll have a guest on the opposition view before the Chelsea game who we place next Wednesday. Don't worry about it, everyone. It's, it's, it's only football. It's only West Ham. And you, as always, you never know. So stick with us. Stick with the club. It's up the hammers. And we'll see you next week. Hello there, I'm Tony Gow and you are listening to We Are West Ham Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.